Welcome back to another episode of Fret Buzz the Podcast. Today we're going to get into part two with Mark Beneteau of Beneteau Guitars. In today's episode, we first talk about Don Ross playing Beneteau guitars. Then we dive into humidity and what that does for an acoustic guitar. We also dive into the different woods and the effect that each one of them actually has. Then we get into a conversation about buying a custom guitar versus factory made and this idea of old versus new. Mark also educates us on a process called torifying, which helps age the top of the guitar and thus ages the sound. And lastly, we end up on CNC versus handcrafted and why Mark prefers handcrafting all of his guitars. And quickly, I do want to mention that Fret Buzz the Podcast is coming up on its 50th episode. Uh, We've got some really good guests coming up. So if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Make sure that you are tuned in every Thursday. Um, If you do enjoy what's going on, head on over to iTunes and give us a review. It does help us out. And if you'd like to support Fret Buzz the Podcast, head on over to Patreon.com and check out our page there. Also, I do want to mention that we do have the Songwriters Club at FretBuzzThePodcast.com where we go live on YouTube once a month and we give feedback on all of our tunes. Uh, They may be new tunes, they may be old tunes, but nonetheless, we do enjoy the process of talking about our music. So if you'd like to join, head on over to FretBuzzThePodcast.com and submit your tune. And lastly, if you have any feedback or comments about any one of the shows or topics that we've talked about or would like to talk about something that you would like to see in the future, email me at Aaron at FretBuzzThePodcast.com. I'd love to have a conversation with you and get a little back and forth going. Well, I think that takes care of everything. So without further ado, let's get into part two with Mark Beneteau of Beneteau Guitars on FretBuzz the podcast. I've been uh, learning some of Don's music, and uh, a lot of his tunings are. I mean, Klimbim, you drop the the low E string down to a C, yeah, and uh, or no to a B, sorry. And then Michael, 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 you tune it down to a C, and like I just the guitar sounds fl- like at least my guitar sounds I don't know, flabby, floppy. It just yeah. doesn't sound. It doesn't sound right. Like it's just not meant to be tuned down that far. Do you do you know what scale length your guitar is? I should, but I I don't actually. You, know, you don't need to. It doesn't matter. Um, but um, that's an indi- indication that the scale length isn't long enough for the string. I mean, if you were going to play that string all the time, I guess you could put a heavier string on it. It wouldn't give you the full spectrum, but it would stop it from being too floppy. But again, you probably do that for one string and then, or one song, and then you, you tune back up, you know, for the next song. That's exactly what I do. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so that that makes it tough. I guess that's why people have multiple guitars on stage that's with them. Right. That's right. You need so, a guitar so for you, those low tunings. Yeah. So you're um, you're uh, more recently getting into acoustic, kind of modern acoustic music by these these players. Me personally, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I when I gig, I usually have a, a looping pedal and the Gibson ES335, and you know, mm-hmm. depending on when, where I'm playing, I, I'm either at a 
a bar or oceanfront stage. Usually people want, you know, cover music for the most part, but I'll sneak in jazz tunes and whatever else. And I need to be very versatile. Yeah. yeah. It is, it's the guys like Dustin Furlow and Matt Thomas around. There's not a whole lot of them, but guys that are, you know, that make one guitar sound like three people without any electronics. And I, I started getting interested in being able to do that. And the more I've looked into it and listened, Mm -hmm. I think I heard Dustin actually turned me on to Don Ross and cause I was, I was into Tommy Emanuel and mm-hmm. hadn't done my research getting outside of that. And I put on Klimbim and I, my jaw kind of dropped and then I listened to it again and then I listened to it again. And I think I listened to it like at least five times in a row. And then I ran and got my wife and I was like, you have to hear this. This is the most <laughs> amazing sounding song. And then I was on a quest to uh, learn how to play that from that moment. And wow. the next two weeks of my life were devoted to Klimbim. Wow. And uh, try to play it every couple days now. But uh, but yeah, I love it. And that's why getting to talk with you is special because, um, you know, you're on the leading edge, as I see it, of these, these really high-end acoustic guitars. And, you know, if somebody like Don Ross is playing your guitars that uh, speaks worlds to your to your methods and you know your product well thanks this it's it's really quite quite exciting because there's so many good players out there now i mean this 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 uh sort of new style of acoustic guitar playing is you know is solo acoustic guitar playing all of them are different there's so many great players and what i'm finding is that uh most of the people that i deal with my customers are just really enthusiastic and a lot of them are really good players in my opinion they're not professionals but you know there's just such a a renaissance of guitar playing now that it's it's quite exciting you know and i get i get this from people all over the world it's really it's really cool yeah you're in a good spot because yeah with the internet there there really has been a a rena what do you call it a renaissance of acoustic guitar music yeah yeah yeah, absolutely. And everybody learns off each other and, you know, inspires each other. And is, you know, and now there's, you have access to, you know, pretty well any player that's doing YouTube videos, you know, so that that's, that's, that's really something. Yeah, yeah it's great. I, uh, I really quite, uh, quite enjoy this, uh, this stage, I guess, in the development of the guitar. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, you, uh, you said, you obviously started off playing guitar yeah. all the way back in yeah. the, in the seventies. Do you, do you play with anybody? I'm and embarrassed to say that I don't play much at all. <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, my grandson is 20 years old and he's a, a really fine guitar player. Like he's a, he came up in the kind of the kind of a punk, uh, punk band kind of player, but he's quite talented and he's kind of kickstarted me into into playing uh, again, I kind of let it go. I, you know, I, I build guitars all the time, but I don't force myself to play. Like I used to, I used to love it. I, I played, you know, in rock bands all, you know, as a as a young person and a young yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, some acoustic guitar, but you know, the other side of it is that the players now are so good mm. that I mean, you know, it's it's amazing how how good they are, and and you know, I basically. <laughs> you know, I just I just play 
you know, simple stuff. And so I enjoy it and I'm not bad or anything, but you know, it's, there's, there's such a, a, uh, a difference between what was good 20 years ago and what's good now, you oh, know, yeah. it's yeah. so really good. And I, you know, there's no reason not to, not to play, but I, you know, I just, well, it, you know, I'll tell you something. Okay. This is we're getting out of winter, even though you wouldn't know it today. It's, it's just a few degrees above freezing and, oh, uh, so it's not it's not a nice day today, but you know, <laughs> typically I have actually and again I'm kind of ashamed of this, but I've left my guitar in its case all winter, you know, yeah. because normally if, for me to play I like to have it out on the stand like this, and uh, so I can just grab it, and I'm not as inspired to go get the case out, get the guitar out, and sit down and play. So if the guitar is sitting right there, boom, I'll pick it up and I'll play. So we're getting into playing season now, so I'm uh, you know. That's all I can say. Yeah, I think that goes for a lot of guitarists across the world where, you know, it is for some odd reason, if it's sitting in that case, you're less inclined to to go grab it. Whereas if it is sitting off to the side, you know, yeah. it's you're you're more inclined to, to, to grabbing it. But unfortunately, if it is just sitting out, it's exposed to the elements. And, oh, you know, yeah, that's why, yeah, that's why I keep it in the case in the winter, keep the humidifier in it. Yeah. Uh, but now we're past that season, we're fine. So, you know, I can just keep it out and, and play it. Yeah. We we had on a local luthier in my region, oh, Larry yeah. Burwald. Um, he was on somewhere in the, the teens, I think, in our yeah. like episode 10 to 20 kind of range. And he he really brought up the he drove home the point of humidifying your your either your guitar case or the space that your guitars are sitting out in and now i have my i have a humidifier going and i have my humidity sensor and what i've noticed over the past few days as it's spring has maybe it hasn't hit you up in canada but it has hit virginia beach it is very humid and right now i'm at i'm at 58 uh, percent humidity is that too much is that bad for my guitars now take your humidifier out of your guitar case well, there's no. Uh, it's not on right now. Okay, it's good. naturally that humid right now. Yeah, you don't. You don't want it too humid. It's not. High humidity is not going to damage the guitar, like low humidity will. But it's not good. I'll give you a little, a very quick anecdote. Um, one of my very first guitars back when I was living, I was still living in Ottawa. I was in my first shop, which was a spare bedroom in the, in the house we rented, and I built a guitar and sold it to my neighbor. And my neighbor was a, a bit of a do-it-yourself guy, and uh, so it, back then there was—I don't—they probably still have them. They were called dampets. They're—they're uh, they're like a tube with sponge in it, and that's how you humidify your guitar. You—you yep. you soak the tube, right? Well, he said, "Well, I don't need to do that. I can make my own." So he made his own homemade dampet, and he brought the guitar over to me a while later, and the thing looked like a balloon. It had been it. The, it pumped right up because it was so saturated with humidity. So luckily, you know, we got rid of his dampet and and it came back down to normal. But high humidity is is not uh, is not particularly good for the instrument. Fifty eight percent, you're fine. Um, I don't know what they build Taylor's at. Um, I build my guitars at around forty five percent, sort of in the middle. It can handle going in either direction. Um, but yeah. It, it, as I mentioned with mine, even here, I mean, we are getting into spring too, not today, but you know, uh, and uh, I can throw away the humidifier, you know, not really, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, 
for the summer until until late fall and uh, you know and i can tell generally if your heat's coming on in the house if you're you know if your 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 heater's in the house your furnace is on then you probably have to start thinking about it you know and it, it, if you, if you have a humidity indicator that's your the way of telling um and uh so for me once once we get into starting a spring i can leave the damp off the uh the humidifier off of it and just put it out and it's fine yeah can can we jump over to woods sure for building yeah. guitars that's one of the things that i really really want to talk about and you know there's all these different woods out there now and i have like this one's got oven call back and sides and everybody's always talking about the oh the rosewood is gives it a shim, shimmery overtones and the mahogany's darker so this is a two-part question for you one what is your take on different woods and the quality of sound that is produced and two what what is your process for selecting woods going out and getting them and then how do you deal with the changing regulations okay um things have really changed in the guitar world uh and one of the biggest changes is the internet and the internet has caused uh rumor and the it has caused thinking to kind of get really skewed okay so what happens now is people go on and on the internet and they see that uh like you said uh certain wood because it has a shimmer to it and that starts cycling around and then it gets repeated and next thing you know those woods are great those woods are bad these woods sound like this that wood sounds like that and really i dare you to do a blind test you'd be amazed at how surprised you'd be at how a lot of this stuff is just rumor you know um, every piece of wood is different certainly different woods have different general characteristics but let's say for the back and sides the back and sides don't do nearly as much as you'd think towards the tone of the guitar they color the tone but they don't make the tone most of the tone comes from the top um, there's that old fa that famous uh, story about uh, uh, Torres, the, the classical guitar builder in the 1860s, who built a guitar with paper mache back and sides and the sound. Well, who knows how much reality that is, but that puts the point across that most of the sound comes from the top. And uh, so that's a tough one because I'm always dealing with that with customers who are looking for a certain wood because they heard that it's going to give a certain sound. And in the back and sides, uh, there are certain differences between the softer woods like mahogany and walnut and koa to an extent uh, and compare them to the harder woods like the like the rosewoods or the bubingas. Um, they will definitely give you a slightly different voice, um, but not as much as you'd think. So the difference between one wood and another wood are generally pretty subtle if indistinguishable, depending on the woods you're talking about. Okay. Um, and that's a tough one because customers don't want to hear that. They want to hear that this wood is going to be, boom, you know, like nothing you've ever heard of before. <laughs> and the point is you can make a great sounding guitar out of lots of different woods. And 
So sometimes it just comes down to aesthetics, and that's literally what I do with with customers to an extent. I will, um, I'll sort of try and find out what they like. You know, I, I find out what kind of sound they want, so I can steer them to a general category of woods, and then narrow it down by which one appeals to you. You know, because I think you have to. Uh, you have to like your guitar, I think. You know, I think that's important. You have to like what it looks like. You have to like everything about it. So, you know, that's, that's, that's another part of the factor. Um, the back and sidewoods, uh, as far as the restrictions, well, that's changed a lot. And CITES, we're talking about the CITES um, regulations, which are the restrictions on the, the uh, certain restricted woods. Um, you guys in the U.S., don't have it as bad. Builders in the U.S. don't have it as bad. Uh, I'll probably get pushback on this, but the fact is, your average American builder could probably build guitars for an entire lifetime and never, never have to export one because your market is so big that that's easy. That's probably pretty easy to do. Uh, I'm talking to small shop builders. I'm not talking about the big companies. Of course, right. they export, but um, you know, you, you could, you could easily make a career and never export a guitar. And whereas uh, in Canada, we can't do that. Our market is one-tenth the size of yours. So in order to make a career, I have to export. So I, you know, I, I sell to customers all over the world, including quite a few into the U.S. So I have, I've had to deal with this CITES. Um, and um, it, it involves, uh, I, I have to catalog and they register every piece of, restricted wood I have including like little things like bridge plates um, uh, headstock veneers bind you know pieces for binding everything you know backs and sides everything so um, I have to apply for that it takes it might take a month to get the paperwork so I I'm starting at guitars now and uh, one will be African blackwood uh, trying to think if there's any any other CITES woods in there, but I have to apply for that. I'll apply for that now so that by the time the guitar is finished, I'll have the paperwork, it'll be ready to go, and it has to go out with the with the guitar. And you get sent two originals, and they get sent out with the guitar, so you better hope that UPS doesn't lose it, because then you have to reapply for new ones. But that's my reality. Uh, it's the new reality. Now, I added to that, I've talked to the CITES people recently, and they said there may be some changes coming to ease the restrictions on guitar or instrument makers, which makes sense. I'll give you an example. I've got a guitar going out, um, and it has, what's that? It has bubinga bindings, okay? That's not a lot of wood when you add up the wood for the bindings and the, you know, the little tiny bits. Right. And um, so that probably comes out to an ounce or two of wood, and I have to get Society's paperwork for that guitar because of that tiny bit of wood. Now that's gets a little silly as opposed to, you know, countries that are importing, you know, thousands of pounds of wood, you know. So, I mean, I think there's, there may be some changes coming. I'm hoping that's supposed to happen this month. And uh, I'm very hopeful that they will ease the restrictions to some extent uh, for builders, like small shop builders, especially because we don't really use a lot of, a lot of wood. What we, do use we guard very carefully hmm. do you have you ever been on trips to exotic places to actually pick out this wood i wish <laughs> 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 i 
no, I haven't. <laughs> Maybe it's time for vacation. Yeah, <laughs> work vacation. <laughs> um, I, 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 no, I haven't, and that's that's interesting. I don't think it would be. I don't think you could do that. Any, I don't think you could just go down there and buy a, a rosewood log and have it shipped home. You know, there's so many restrictions on that kind of stuff right now. Hmm. But about 20 years ago, I got a call from a local guy here, and he says, uh, "You interested in some rosewood?" <laughs> And I've heard that before. I go, well, maybe, you never know. And he said, okay. So he he said, meet me at this, this small mill, uh, just like a small uh, yard where they were milling local lumber. And uh, he had a pile of rosewood logs that he had bought into a pallet that came up from Belize. So it was Honduran rosewood. And uh, this stuff had been sitting out, and it was cracked to hell. I mean, it was just horrible looking. But I took a chance on it, and I actually got quite a bit of lumber out of it by very careful cutting. I brought it to another mill, and they cut it the way I wanted it. And I ended up getting wood out of it, and I still have a little bit of it. But it was way more work than it was worth. But that was, uh, that was an interesting experience, like you know, all these little rosewood logs. Mm -hmm. wow. So you don't, you don't have any – do you have any foreign contacts that you work with that ship you wood consistently? No, no, and that would be, I don't, I don't think I could do that because, again, because of the restrictions, you can't just import wood as a, you know, determiner. You used to be able to do that. Hmm. Uh, but luckily, here in Ontario, within two hours of me, I have two world-class wood companies, wood importing and selling, you know, uh, companies that they have wood from all over the world and they're great. Uh, and I get to go there. I go there. I've got a trip planned soon and I go there and I just see what they have. And they have, I mean, even for me, and I've been in this business all this time, they have woods that I've never heard of, you know? So there's always, you know, there's always interesting stuff. And I buy my wood in lumber form. I don't buy guitar sets generally because it's way more expensive to do it that way. I have a good bandsaw. I can process guitar sets myself. And so that's my my uh, my preferred method of doing it. So, I, you know, we're lucky we have access. I, I imagine if I lived out in the prairie somewhere or, you know, anywhere but here, I mean, it, it, I there's lots of places where you couldn't do that. You couldn't just go and pick out wood yourself. You'd have to rely on, on suppliers to send you guitar sets and stuff. And there, I do that to some extent with certain woods, but generally speaking, uh, yeah, we're lucky here to have the access to these companies that have this great wood. Just Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I imagine it's pretty fun to fi find something that you're unfamiliar with and kind of take a chance on it and see what it yeah. ends, what you end up with. It's fantastic. I mean, I just, you know, I go there and it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm just going to see what, <laughs> you know, what treasures am I going to find, you know. Yeah. Really extensive, but, you know, what the hell. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Part of the reason I got a, you know, if I'm asking you all these questions about going out to find these woods. I went, um, my wife and I went on our honeymoon to India, which sounds yeah. crazy to some people, but we... I think that's fascination. Yeah. But anyway, so I, the whole time I'm trying to find, I wanted to see somebody playing the sitar. Like I wanted yeah. to hear somebody yeah. like Ravi Shankar playing yeah. sitar. And that I finally found this music shop and I met the, the little, 
the guy who owned the little shop yeah. and set up a sitar lesson in his shop with him. And then yeah. from that, I actually ended up purchasing a sitar from him and wow. it's sitting, I don't know oh, if you can yeah, see there. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, um, see that? Let me see if I can. <laughs> That's cool. It's a really cool instrument, but I had this flash of like sitars are really expensive to get in the United States. Right. And I know I, think I get, yeah, I got it for like $500 with the conversion and then there were sh shipping costs, but I had this there. It was more than a quick thought about like this guy had totally wanted to set up a business deal with me to ship sitars to the United States. I was right. like, you know, if you were willing to go out to the source and import them yourself, you know, if you, even if it cost you after shipping seven hundred dollars and you're able to, you were able to sell sitars for two grand in the United States, you could make a lot of, yeah, a lot sense. of money. So I, I would imagine if you were willing to go out and find contacts in Africa, or Central yeah. America, or whatever, I, I would think that could be a lucrative thing. Obviously, you've got plenty to work, <laughs> plenty to keep you busy. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I, I could do that. But um, it's it's a great idea. Once you do it, and you send me <laughs> Nancy Woods. Yeah, that'd be a great job. I get to go on trips. Yeah, yeah. Go sure. to the exotic places. That's what Bob Taylor does. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess he's gotten to that that stage. <laughs> he probably yeah. has people yeah. doing all the all the dirty work for him. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure. I, I imagine over the years, since you've been doing this for quite a while, that the price of certain woods um, have fluctuated quite a bit as the demand for certain woods go up and down. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of ones that have gone down. That's the harder one. Um, <laughs> right, uh, right. Uh, <laughs> and, and actually, there, I, I'm trying to think, like a, a wood that, that has never... I don't know about you guys, what you guys think. In the electric guitar world, it's different, but in the acoustic guitar world, um, I love maple, but I can't sell a maple guitar, you know, hmm. uh, even a nicely figured one. And so that's a wood that I kind of would have liked to have used more and, um, and is still relatively reasonable to buy as far as price goes. Hmm. Uh, and it makes a beautiful guitar, but uh, I haven't been able to, uh, just to, um, generate any sales um i have i have about oh i have over a two-year waiting list right now and i have one one maple guitar in there and it's the first maple guitar that i will have built in probably 10 years wow there's a, one example most of the woods have kind of stuck around and gone up in price and um mahogany has gotten more expensive um you know south american mahogany is is partially uh restricted i know that um, so we're switching to other ones. I'm actually in the process of trying to find a, uh, a suitable replacement for my neck wood because I've always used mahogany. I love mahogany for the necks. It works really well. Right. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, there are other mahoganies. I've tried African mahogany, and so far it hasn't really worked out the same. So I'm in the process of trying to find a substitute for that. If anybody out there knows of a strong, <laughs> let us know. We'll pass that on. <laughs> exactly. Can you give us so your typical guitarist out there? Yeah. Probably 
you know, can't afford to go to a custom builder. And I mean, I know from my own personal experience, I didn't even know custom builders. I mean, I knew it existed, but it wasn't something that I had put no, much thought into. We come out of the woodwork and there are, you know, like depending where you are, there's quite a few. It's still a bit of a rarity, you know. I mean, I could ask, I, I live in a town of 35,000 people and I bet you if you ask the average person on the street, even guitar player, they wouldn't know anything about custom builders, you know, even in this town. So, you know, unless you're really focused on that end of the guitar world, you know, it's not that common. Anyway, you were going to ask about what would I suggest to somebody who can't afford a custom build guitar? Well, that's part of my question. My other, you know, if you've grown up with, you know, everyone's heard of, everyone has dreams of getting like at least if you don't know about the custom guitars, yeah. your top, your big three are Taylor, Martin, and Gibson right now, I think right. is the general consensus. Yeah. Um, could you maybe speak to the quality of those guitars and maybe compare like what, at what point would you want to go Benito or Larave or some, another custom built guitar over those? Um. Well, that's a good question because they're all well-built guitars, all of them. They're all, um, I don't know much about Gibson now. I really don't see them around much. I, I'm not really aware of them too much. Um, but, I mean, these companies have all been around a long time and they, you know, presumably do a, a good job. Um, I think there's some kind of, there's a special mojo with a hand built that's different. And it's, there's something, there's something in this, modern world that's kind of special about going to an actual craftsman who builds your guitar but having said that there's no reason why you can't get quite a good guitar if you stick with the, the regular um you know the the big three for example right and uh, now the, because i don't know their lines i don't know the difference between their different i'm sure they have different lines where some are um uh you know, sort of their high end, higher end guitars that are built with their better materials. But I mean, we all, I mean, everybody covets a 1930s Martin if it's in great shape, you know, because they've been building great guitars for a long time. And I'm assuming they still build really good guitars. But it's a matter when you've got a big factory like that. Um, I think that you have to pick and choose the, the guitar rather than pick by model. You'd have to try the guitar because they're all going to be a little different and you might pick up one that's just an absolute gem you know everything comes together and the guitar sounds fantastic so there's no reason why you can't do that and if you're looking for a decent guitar uh and you obviously can't afford you know the the high price of a handbill my suggestion is that you you don't buy sight unseen you you if hopefully you live near a music store that has a good stock and you can go in and try instruments and you you know i did that with a friend of mine a friend of mine who's retired and he wanted to start learn how to play guitar and so i took him down to my little mom and pop guitar shop here and we looked through a whole bunch of 300 dollars guitars and one just stood out it was just, you know, it played well, it sounded better, and, you know, it was the same price as the others. So that's the one I said, here, this is the one you want. You buy this one because it, it sounds better. And he wouldn't have been able to do that on his own. 
So uh, that's my suggestion: is that is that you you know take the time to try instruments and find the one that speaks to you. And it doesn't matter what the price is; if it works, if you like it, then that's all that's important. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that for the price? You've got these old, these historic Martin models that go for thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. And then you can also buy like top of the line hand built guitar for similar price in many times. I mean, sometimes the historic ones are even yeah. more expensive, but do you think that a new guitar can sound without the wood aging in the guitar? Doing its thing over time. Do you think that a new guitar is going to sound as good, but with better setup? Um, uh, a properly made new guitar is probably a better bet from a structural standpoint. Um, you know, a guitar that's been around a long time may have some structural compromises. Um, it's going to have that patina of sound that, that because it's so old, there's something that happens to the tone over time. It gets a, a bit of brittleness, um, if I can describe it like that, that, that uh, has a, a real, that you it would be very difficult to um, to replicate that in a brand new guitar. With a brand new, it's like okay, um, do you want this nineteen sixty four Chevy or do you want this two thousand nineteen Chevy? Um, the two thousand nineteen's got lots of bells and whistles that the other one doesn't have, and it's probably everything's brand new, but the old one's got the mojo. You know, I mean, this. You know, I I, I restore motorcycles as a hobby. Vintage British motorcycle. So I have a 1971 Norton, and it is ultra cool. But it's if somebody got off of their new Suzuki and got on this thing, they think, "Wow, what's this?" <laughs> you know, but it's it's charm, and that's you know that's the thing with an old an old guitar. Is I totally get why people are just passionate about vintage instruments. I have that. I have a feeling for that myself, even though I don't have any. I had a 1920. Martin Uke, but uh, I don't have it anymore. But um, uh, I so I totally get it, and that speaks that that means a lot when you're choosing an instrument because you're willing. If you absolutely feel passionate about this instrument and about the whole history of it, you know, let's say it's a 1945 Martin, uh, then you're going to overlook the shortcomings mm. if there are some, and there usually are some. Uh, because the other part of it speaks so 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 much to you. But if you want a working tool, you know, and, you know a uh, and a, a really good um, hand built from a good builder or a good factory made guitar is probably your better bet because it's uh, it's got uh, it, you know structurally it's going to be really good. Uh, it. Uh, it will have good, it should have really good tone, though it won't have that age tone. One way that you might be able to get the age tone is to go with a torified top. Are you guys familiar with that at all? No, I'm not, no. Okay, the torified top is this process that's been introduced fairly recently in which they take regular top wood, your spruce, and they, uh, they put it in a kiln and I, I, if I had, don't have this correct, exactly correct, then my apologies. You'll, you'll, you'll probably hear about it. But <laughs> send all letters to. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you, you, they they heat it up with an absence of um, 
of uh, oxygen. Okay, that's the difference. You don't just heat it up. You, it's not like, like a kiln where you just heat it. You heat it with the absence of oxygen. What it does is it, the, the, the top wood, uh, not only does it come out with a kind of a golden color, it just changes the color of the, of the, the wood, but it also, it's like it ages it so that it sounds like a 20-year-old top coming out of this oven. Hmm. And, um, it's an interesting thing. Uh, the jury's still out. For me, even though it's been used and uh, successfully by Martin and other well-respected companies, so I have to take that into consideration. Um, I just haven't had a lot of personal experience. I just had some some of my tops torrified so that I would have them on hand, and I'm really looking forward to trying it. And what that's supposed to do is it gives you that age sound right out of the box. Hmm. Don't know what the long-term ramifications are going to be, but it's an interesting concept, and uh, it's being used now. I've used maple in that way. I used maple that had been the same. That had been the same process had been used on this maple, and I was using this maple for bindings. And I went through I don't know how many bindings, but they all broke because it, it made the, the wood so brittle right. that I barely got four pieces out of thirty that that didn't break when I tried to bend them. Oh, wow. So, that makes me a little leery. I don't know if that affects the, you know, if that applies to the top wood or not. But uh, you know, for what it's worth, you know, uh, it's an interesting process, and uh, we'll see where it goes. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for letting us know about that. Yeah. Keep my eyes out. Yeah. Do you have any interest in building any instruments aside from guitars? I think I saw in your studio tour you do build some ukuleles. Yeah, I, I've done some ukes. I love ukes. Uh, I don't advertise them much. I don't. It's not like I'm looking for uke sales because I, I can't get enough. You know, ukes don't bring the same as much money. Obviously, they don't even bring proportionally enough money because they're still like building a small guitar. So that there's there's almost the same complexity as a guitar. So. It's not economically feasible. I think to be a, a luke builder, or uh, sorry, a uke builder, you have to build a lot of them. You know, you have to have this kind of a production line going. And as soon as things start sounding like a production line, I run, I run the other direction because I don't, I don't like that idea. You know, there's certain, there are small shop builders, solo builders like myself who build the enormous numbers of guitars, and um, to do that, you have to really set up. Uh, production you know like it's, it's got to be like a little factory and um, even though I've built close to 800 800 guitars in my career um, I, I can't uh, I, I would hate to have it go to that point because um, I really like the being able to hand hand do a lot of the stuff you know Oh yeah. And there's a story that goes along with each build and having that relationship with that customer and that, yeah, that, that kind of builds into like you were talking about before the mojo of the guitar. Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, the, another thing that I do is that, um, and I find this happens a lot more and more probably is that customers will ask me if I can take photos along the building process. And I can't do that a lot. I mean, uh, but I do do it, and I know that it's really cool for the customer to see the instrument come together. And uh, that's, a, that's a cool part of the process, and it brings you back to the fact that, you know, you're dealing with the craftsman who's actually building the guitar. Um, another thing is I don't use uh, CNC. 
which is very common nowadays. You see, you see a lot of incredible looking detail, and uh, you know that it was pretty well done by CNC, uh, you know, routers. Um, I don't do that. I'm old school. Um, I like, and I'm I'm happy with that. The only CNC stuff I do is I, I have my B logo made because you know that's just repeating, um, and uh, so I have those cut, but I inlay them and. Um, other than that, whatever I do, I do old school. I was a tour guide apprentice for a very short time until they realized I just wanted to play guitar instead of <laughs> go to work. <laughs> and uh, uh, and I, I, I've got a great love for, for fine metalworking, which is, you know, a lot of um, production stuff, uh, a lot of like old school stuff, pre-computer um, controlled stuff was was uh, just really fine uh, setup and like metalworking techniques. And I do, I, I use a lot of that in my shop. I have a metal lathe, so I've made some of my own tooling. Um, and I mean, if you know, it, all you have to do is look at a typewriter from 1910 and see that's fine work. That's like really an interesting and intricate little machine, you know, uh, to, to tell that there's a, you can do a lot of really good work without having to resort to CNC. I'm not against it. It's just not my comfort zone, and um, and I think that you can do great work without it. What does CNC stand for? Computer. Oh, oh God, you would ask me that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> magic. It's it's magic. Because <laughs> yeah. I, when you first said said it, I didn't know what you were talking about. But I, when I when yeah. started talking about it, I understood what you were referring. Programming. To. Programming a. Um, a machine with a router, for example, to cut very intricate, you know, you, you program it. So if you can program it, you can do this all, you know, you can watch it and then, you know, you don't have to go in and, and do it all by hand, which yeah. is, you know, there's two different skills. And I like the, I like the old world skill of doing it by hand, even though I can't get as complex as you can with the, with the, you know, program, um, I just, um, I don't know, it just means something to me, you know. I like, I like to say that I can do that. Um, I just, I just feel like it's, it's, uh, it's a skill that uh, is, uh, is valuable to me to, to know that, you know, if I, if I have to come up with something, I can do it by hand. Uh, my neck, for example, a lot of people have the next carved sequence CNC machine and then they just finish them off. Well, I think, and I might have it wrong here, but I think you have to have a different program for every different neck shape. Whereas somebody comes to me, like I get this all the time, I want the neck and I want it slight V-shape and I want it, you know, this kind of thing, this width and all this stuff. Well, I just carve it, you know, I, I, I do it with the old, the old school way with, uh, with the hand tools and uh, I can vary it as much as I need to, to get it just where they, where they want it. Or I can copy something that already exists. I've got somebody who's asking for a tailor neck um, and that's the thing about tailors, right? The necks are really, really easy to play. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to have to find that model and take some copies of the of the, the shape of the neck, but I'll be able to do that, and they come up with a pretty good facsimile. Awesome. Well, I know Aaron's got um, some sick, a sick child. Yes. Oh, um, yeah. It's life, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. But thank you. We we really do appreciate your taking the time to speak with us today. It's it's well, been an amazing conversation. Well, this has been really fun. I, I really like this. This is uh, this is great. Thanks a lot for the opportunity. 
absolutely. Yeah. We, I've loved getting to, I've had, you know, I've been going through so much of this in my interest in acoustic guitars to be able to ask you all these questions that I've, you know, I've been reading on forums and it's just not the same as asking someone yeah. who does this professionally, who builds these and really knows the, the yeah. answers if on a deeper level. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully this has provided value to our listeners and yeah. um yeah and i highly suggest everybody go out and, and, and check out the um video of his studio um of his shop it's 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 a great it's a great video it's, it's wow cool. i appreciate that thank yeah. you yeah and listen to don ross playing beneteau guitars i imagine he uses them in the studio too because that's what his any of his videos on yeah. youtube have he uses them beneteau exclusively yeah yeah so you can hear the incredible sound combined with his incredible skill yeah and uh, dustin furlow as well yeah and dustin furlow's season a benito yeah yeah there's a lot of them out there yeah uh where can everybody go to find out more about you well my website is uh is uh, in, uh is benitoguitars.com and uh b-e-n-e-t-e-a-u uh, for those who think i'm italian i'm not a french um <laughs> and uh yeah, that's that's the first place, and they can contact me. You know, they can email me, and uh, yeah, I'm always happy to answer questions. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So, thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Yeah, we're doing some painting this afternoon. My daughter's. We're going over to paint my daughter's ceiling, so that's gonna be really fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> See, painting ceilings is hard. It's a. It's a it's a big shoulder workout. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. That's that's horrible. I won't be able to walk through And you get that nice splatter on your face too. <laughs> that's, that's right. All well, right. Thank, thank you so much. We really do appreciate it. And yeah, so I, I, I had a good time. Thank yeah. you. Awesome. Yeah. Mark, have a great day painting. Take care, man. Yeah. All right, bye. Thank, bye, everybody. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Bye.